Tundra Talk is brought to you by Frontier Outfitters and Century Hardware, your locally owned source for hunting, fishing, and shooting gear in interior Alaska. They sell proven gear that will tackle whatever Alaskan tasks you need it to, and Frontier always stays current with gear for the season. Whether you're baiting bears in the spring, fishing, camping, or dip netting in the summer, you're looking for game bags and moose camp gear in the fall, uh, if you need to stock up on trapping lures or just get everything you need to go ice fishing, they've got you covered. They always carry a wide variety of Alaskan-proven clothing and boots, camping gear, meat processing supplies, guns, ammo, reloading and shooting supplies, as well as camping gear and backpacking food. Downstairs in Century Hardware, you'll find a full hardware store naturally, and uh, you'll also find your snow machine, ATV, marine accessories down there. They go out of their way to stock plenty, plenty of quality, useful equipment. And whether you're gearing up for a hunting or fishing trip, working on a never-ending home improvement project, or anything in between, it's usually a one-stop shop. Frontier Outfitters is located on 3rd and Old Steese in Fairbanks, and they have a second location in North Pole, so make sure you stop in next time you need to gear up. This episode of Tundra Talk is also brought to you by Hedgecock Group Real Estate, a local brokerage that can cover your real estate needs in Fairbanks, Alaska. The Hedgecock Group has been tied into the Fairbanks and North Pole real estate market since the early 80s, and their services tailored to meet the diverse needs of home buyers in interior Alaska. With a brokerage team made up of multi-generation Fairbanks locals, transplants, and military veterans, they really understand the unique aspects of living in the interior and what that means when it comes to shopping for a home or buying land to build a home. They also understand the situations that many military members are in when needing to buy or sell a home. Fairbanks is a unique place to live, and whether it's learning why some houses have water holding tanks instead of wells, estimating heating costs, or just what recreational opportunities are close by, they're ready to help. More than simply acquiring or building a piece of property, they can help you find the right property in the right place and help you learn from their experience. If you're looking to buy or sell real estate in the Fairbanks or North Pole area, reach out to Brett Evans and his team of expert realtors at 907 978 3765 or email brett b-r-e-t-t at hedgecockgroup.com That's how you do it. Welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel, sitting here uh, this afternoon slash evening with um, an angry bearded individual named Matt Herkstroder. <laughs> I'm not angry. <laughs> He's not too angry. But uh, no, this, uh, I mean, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about some other stuff. We'll talk about all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. But uh, this, I mean, we wanted to get together and do this, you know, kind of a public service announcement it seems like there's plenty of like wildlife management bs going on you know with like i've tried to stay up as i can on the the northwest alaska that wsa you know the federal subsistence push to close that whole country down for people that don't live there and uh man it'll someone sent me a thing i guess in bc right now british columbia there's a big deal um with, uh, like, their, the government, something between the government and the First Nations, but basically, like, they're looking at severely cutting down opportunities for, like, like you know, cutting down 
moose, I think moose and caribou hunting for people that aren't native. Huh. In there. I, I, I don't, I, hadn't even I don't heard know. That. It, it has to do with like, you know, some kind of bargaining the government's doing to keep, you know, mining operations open or something. I, I don't understand it, but I just, I just saw that. It's like someone sent me that yesterday and it was pretty, uh, so I know there's a lot of guys from BC listen, so. Well, there and, are other people out there. Well, and that's that's kind of why I wanted to do this was just to get get the word out a little bit about some of the stuff that's going on that a lot of people ain't heard about. Yeah, and, and a lot. Well, in a lot of it, you know, there's not. You know what we're going to be talking about is some of it's kind of like it's word on the street type of stuff that is in the works, works and yeah. supposedly going to be popping up, and you know, in specific the most specific one is is through the federal subsistence board also now you know like there's been some precedent set with them locking up areas of unit 13 to people who don't live you know in those it, areas yeah. um basically closing federal land for caribou hunting there like it got i think it got slipped through and not enough people heard about it and in you know it's the precedence now now you have it starting to pop up you know, with this, this Northwest Alaska caribou stuff. And there's also in the, uh, cause I think this year is the federal subsistence boards four year regulatory cycle. cycle meetings. Yeah, I think so. And part of the, the, the <clears throat> shitty part of all this is it's so complicated. Like the state's supposed to manage the wildlife, but all this Anilka creating a totally separate set of management rules and blah, blah, blah. It's complex, and if you're not paying attention, stuff gets slipped through, and then all of a sudden, you can't hunt where you hunt anymore. Yeah. Um, but, like, I know that in in the, the proposals for the Federal Subsistence Board's regular cycle, you um, there's some deer stuff that's, like, to close areas of southeast to non-locals. And I've seen the fishing game, you know, state fishing games responses to them in opposition saying like, look, we just, uh, and I'm not total expert on all these, these areas, but I've, the responses indicated to me that they're like, look, we just upped the bag limit because there's the deer doing good and there's no hunting pressure. So anyway. Yeah. It's almost counter or counter intuitive of what yeah. fishing game supports. Versus, per, per you know whatever their harvest rate can be, yeah. But they want to, but well, I say they on the the side of like the local the, subsistence. The, the local, yeah, the local subsistence users are saying that they're not, you know, like it's not sustainable. Is that what, yeah, what they're I saying mean, there? I, I or is it because? But it does it, it counter counterdicts though if if you're allowed to up the limit. Yeah, or if, if the a limit is up, the, the manage like the state the state management plan and 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 data from what I've gathered and from reading their statements like doesn't support reducing the hunting opportunity. You know, like a lot of this federal these federal like it's like almost like a loophole that people are trying to seize in that if the if the the harvest opportunity whatever for these different subsistence species drops below a certain point you know it local locals get the priority to the animals which it makes sense like it's logical and i think at a certain point like that's 
I don't I don't have a problem with that, but it doesn't seem like it's being used appropriately. No. Um, you know, in unit 13, you, you know, unit 13 or anywhere where they're pushing it, it doesn't seem to be an appropriate thing. And this issue that may or may not pop up, um, we think it's going to, and it, it, in one way or another, it will, yeah. um, has to do with sheep in the central and eastern Brooks range. And, you know. It's one of these word on, you know, don't quote me, but it's like one of the word on the street things is that there is trying to be, there is, you know, person, people, entities trying to. Well, and there is because I have a letter showing it. The letter basically trying to get this, um, it's what is the Western Interior Regional, it's one big acronym. Western Interior Alaska Subsistence Regional Advisory Council. Advisory Council, so. Like the Western Arctic, um, you know, advisory council, these aren't the same advisory committees that advise the board of game. These are for the federal subsistence board, and it's a complex mess. But um, long story short, they're trying to, one of the things is form a wildlife special action request to shut down all sheep hunting in, I know it's 24A, I don't know about if it farther, the farther to the east but um well i think some of that is still closed well i know Isn't to the it? west is closed or to the west yeah um because years back they closed basically the whole western side of the brooks range for sheep hunting i Be- think it's on federal lands so it's going to be 24a federal lands and what is that 25 it's unit 25 something uh on the on it- the east side on the east side. 25A. A. Anyway, so uh, similar to the caribou thing, it's, you know, would be, it would in theory be to close sheep hunting on federal lands to all non-qualified users, I'm assuming, you know, and so. For now. For now. And there may be more stuff pop up with the state board of game. And there's a couple, I mean, the main argument put forward is that the sheep, the sheep herd up there is, is has been experiencing a big die-off and in sheep numbers across the state and a lot of areas have got hammered on the past couple of years. And the argument is that, you know, we need to stop hunting them yeah. to, to, it, to let them recover. And it's that, you know, that's the, you know, the, on the face, the face argument. I don't really buy that. And, and we'll, you know, that's one of the things we want to talk about is like kind of explore this a little bit. And, well, uh, and like we were talking earlier, I don't think either one of us deny that there's been a decline in sheep. Yeah. And statewide, though. Yeah. Weather-related. Mm-hmm. I don't buy into the it's not hunting-related. We were also talking about there's a reason why that, you know, we have the full curl rule in <laughs> yeah. place. Yeah, the full, and we, it's like. Gonna, it's going to self-manage itself. Yeah, well, and and I guess like right off the bat, that if people aren't familiar with it, in most areas of the state, you know, where you're familiar with the, you know, it's talking about ram has to be full curl or eight years old or, you know, double broomed. Basically, the whole principle behind that is that taking mature rams, you know, about eight years old or older out of the population will have no net effect on the health, like the breeding, health the, the breeding health of the population. 
Um, you know, even if you, you know, you could remove all rams over eight years old from the population and it's still going to be a sustainable population. That's not saying that, you know, you can remove all the, all the mature rams and you're going to still have the same amount of mature rams the next year. But it's as far as the, the, the recovery and the health of the population, that's, you know, I tend to believe it. And that's what, I mean, that's, there's been a lot of money in studying and observation. The data shows that. The data shows that. Yeah. Um, and very long-term data shows yeah. that, yeah. you know, since that was implemented. Yeah. You know, because it hasn't always been like that. And, and since then, you know, that's... I think it was... And it makes it, sense. Once a ram, you know, once a ram's, I don't know, we've probably said it a million times on the podcast, you know, once they're eight years old, like, they're kind of on borrowed time. Like, yeah. they're fully mature and, you know, sheep just don't live that long. You know, you may get... A decent portion of them live to see ten, but a lot. I think a lot of them die between seven and nine. Oh, I would agree. I mean, anecdotally, over the years, you know, most of the deadheads I've found have been between seven and nine. Yep. You know that that doesn't really. I can't. It's not like you can take that my story to the bank and say that's proof. But you know that it seems to go along with what what the regulation is and its intentions and what what the biologists believe about it. You know. Yeah, and I I would agree with that too. I think that um, you know this chart that shows the the progression through the years between all the you know back when it was three quarter curl ram to full curl ram, you know, and all that stuff was implemented, it gives you a progression through that, mm-hmm. and they have numbers showing the differences that those made. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Oh yeah. I'm not that eloquent of a speaker, but whenever, you know, it, there's, there's obviously, there's a correlation there for sure. Yeah. And I mean, and overall, like if we get, if, if, you know, people wonder, like the, the main message of this is, uh, is it's just something we, you know, that need people need to be aware of is going on, whether you agree with it or not. Um, yeah. Well, you know. and that's, that's what I, my biggest thing with doing this was cause I contacted people that I knew and friends and really none of them knew about this. Yeah. And, and I didn't. Yeah. I hadn't yeah. And others that it's going to affect if, if, you know, this goes through. Um, I, I think that, I just think that this is kind of left in the dark a little bit and I just wanted people to have a, you know, know what's going on, at least something to be aware of, something to look for. You know, and I think Tyler's going to put up some stuff too, just a little bit of information. But you know, the stuff is out there, and I just wanted people to be aware of it. You know, yeah, that was that's my biggest thing. Like I said, I can't speak a hundred percent on all this. I'm it, still, you know, I'm still kind of going through some of this paperwork that I've got, and and yeah, but it potentially affects you. And even if it even if it doesn't affect an area, you know, you plan on hunting, it's like the precedence. Of, and, yeah. and I think, unfortunately, until they're, you know, whether it takes some court case or, unfortunately, I think it's going to continue. Like, stuff like this is going to continue. It is. And. But that's why it's important that people know that this is going on. Because otherwise, yeah. nobody would know. And then it just, it happens. And then people are like, what? What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean? What do you mean I can't hunt here? You know? Yeah. And it, I know it's hard 
I mean, I've been guilty of not paying attention to some of this stuff too, Yep. but I try to here and there. And, you know, it's sometimes through people that you know, and I mean, that's how I found out about this was some through somebody else that I knew. And otherwise I probably wouldn't have. Yeah. You know, until, until, until later stuff become, until stuff becomes established and, you know, like in the skinny of it is like, there is, I believe I'm going to have, I'm going to try to po- post this podcast first thing in the morning. So the day this is, um, what's today? Fifteenth. Today, so the, the sixteenth and seventeenth. Yep. The this meeting it starts at like nine o'clock in the, which is a little like, come on, you know, during the middle of the week because you yeah, can people you can, are working and you th- can call in and and listen, and leave you know and and there's an opportunity to leave feedback you know. There's no there's no agenda item that talks about this specifically, but I think there's room. For the, there's bolters. room for this to be, you know, the impression, the, another word on the street type of thing is that this is going to be introduced at some point in this meeting. Yeah. Um, and so if people are able to, you know, whoever, like, even if it's just a few people, because I don't think a lot of times these meetings, man, they're during the work week. No yeah. one, no one listens and no one gives any feedback, you know. And, if, and that's if, what I was saying. I, I would like to know, and I have the agenda here that, but I don't see on this where, you know, anything about this sheep thing is going to come up. Um, so same thing, I'll be working, you know, it's like, I can't sit here, I can't listen to this whole thing all day long and for two days straight to yeah. figure out when I want to call in. Yep. Um, you know, and I don't know, I don't know, I don't, it's kind of hard, I think, for people to put public input in whenever, you know, you got these, you got some guys that have all the time in the world and they can do all this stuff and, you know, whether they're retired or whatever, but the normal working guy that's going to work every day, it's kind of hard to tune in on one of these meetings in the middle of the week. You know, and pay close enough attention to where you can give yeah, you know, act, some kind of input. You know, constructive feedback um, or criticism or whatever it is. But anyway, if the, uh, you know, if you, if you are available to call into the meeting and listen, you know, listen and even provide public comment, if you, uh, if you need to, the numbers, um, one eight six 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 one seven one five two five, and the passcodes five four zero zero six three one four, and that's um, February sixteenth seventeenth twenty twenty two nine a.m. daily starting at nine a.m. daily, um, Alaska time. So you know, it's kind of, <laughs> you know I don't know it's it's going to be tough it's going to be a tough one to really pay attention to and well one way or another you know. And we'll know if more, anything, I'm sure, anything, in the future. If, if anything comes out of this meeting, you know, if there's any WSAs, at least like on this stage, you know, hopefully people are able to pay attention and kind of give feedback and deal with some of this stuff as it comes up. Um, you know, I think generally, you know, and, and it sucks because, you know, I can sympathize with, you know, we're all a lot, you know, not all of us listening, but, you know, you, me, People who live here in Alaska, like we're all we're all on the same team, you know. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like it doesn't it. seem like it sometimes, and you know, like we're nobody's denying that you know that the that the sheep are hurting, but I think it's you got to look at it in two different ways. It's it's the there's the the factor of is the sheep population like in such peril that we need to stop hunting that we don't believe the sub that that we don't believe the current, you know, mature ram harvest 
regulation is sustainable. If it's not sustainable, then we got bigger problems than just yeah. stopping hunting. And stopping hunting, frankly, is going to do nothing. It's going to yeah. Do- when the, when a lot of this is weather related, it's not yeah, hunting yeah, related. Yeah, you know, it's it's weather or like we were talking. It could be predator in some areas as well. You know, but it's hunting in the from what I from these harvest reports doesn't show there is it there's less animals taken yeah but also you know but it's on par with the with the amount of hunters as the well. number of hunters yeah um you know it it but you got to look at the like you really have to look at the objectively at whether we you know whether we really do believe this mature ram you know regulation is sustainable like if if it's if the population's so low that that's not that's not even sustainable anymore like we better do some extreme yeah, you know you got to start talking about you know targeted extreme predator control stuff like that simply stopping hunting is not going to do anything i mean the hard park down in the wrangles showed that there's yeah. not near the sheep there used to be well denali park's the same way yeah not near the sheep there used to be you know and and it's not all predator related but you know, predators are the one thing really that we can have an input on to help help manage keep more sheep alive and yeah. you know, help keep more sheep surviving. We can't do anything about the weather, you know. Yeah, or the ones that die and in an avalanche we, or, yeah. or the ones that fall down the a cliff or Yeah, fall through you know, fall through the, the ice, ice or yeah. you know, in a crossing a creek in the winter, you know. You never there's a million things <laughs> it's it'd be a hard life being a sheep, but you have to look at it. You have to look at that factor if you're going to be, if you're going to be seriously like putting the sheep population as you know in peril as justification to need to shut it down. Then there's a whole you. You can't just do that. It, it's not going to have any effect unless you also bring in the what. What can we do? Yeah. Because if once in what I the whole like point my whole beef with shutting stuff down and i think maybe under certain circumstances it's it's warranted but what are you know if you're going to shut stuff down what are you going to do to actually recover the population the western brooks has been shut down for how long now they haven't done shit nobody's done anything to to actively try to manage and recover that population it's just oh we'll let it be on its own well guess what when you continue to have like hard winters and stuff you know, like it's not just gonna it's not gonna bounce right back on its own. It may bounce back eventually. Yeah. And it will eventually. But, I'm sure. You know, when you when you you know, when we it seems like when we lose these hunting opportunities, we don't get them back. Yeah. And that becomes the norm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like back you know, the Chugach didn't used to be all draw Mm-mm. and any ram, you know, or whatever in these areas. You know, it used to be and it, when it was a free for all. It had its own issues, but it wasn't a matter of making it draw for a few years and then opening it back up. It's never going to go back. No, nope. You know, you put the rest of the state in the draw. It's never going to go back. Yeah, it won't. It will not. Even go back. even if even if the numbers support it being open, you know, it's like such an uphill battle when you lose that stuff. And I think you know, everyone has their own way of looking at it. I feel like it's super short sighted. And a lot of these closure, you know, these attempted closures and stuff, I think a lot of them are essentially rooted in just 
wanting to eliminate the competition. Yep. I would agree. You know, I think, I think a lot of, in the way, it's cool the way our, and the federal deals a whole different animal, but at least on the state level, I think it's cool that anyone can make proposals and have like meaningful input into the management. But that's also a scary thing too, because you get some, you get some, I think some of this stuff is the result of just even just a handful or individual, like single individuals that get a chip on their shoulder. I, I and, agree. And but then I- they, and they, and they, you know, this is just my opinion on an outlook on how some of this stuff comes across, you know, people might get a chip on their shoulder or some there, they might have like a super negative experience with an outfitter or, or any number of things that's like, man, that pisses me off. And it still pisses me off every time I think about it. And then, yeah, you do, you know, you see a population decline. Oh, you know, not not to say that people aren't worried about the population, but Oh, first thing we need to do is get rid of non-residents or, and I used to be a little bit more on the, cause I do believe as residents, like, you know, we, we are entitled to preference, you know, yeah. to press, no, precedence is not the right word, priority on our wildlife that's owned yes. by us as the state. But I think a lot of the, a lot of the reasoning that's thrown around, you know, I've kind of changed my mindset on, you know, like, is it? 19C that's being pushed on the state level to make, eliminate all non-resident yep. hunters. Yep. Like what, I I haven't seen any data that really like, su- that supports the well, arguments and, towards that. But what I'm getting at is there's, and I'll let you talk. I need to just shut up. No, that's all right. I don't have, a, um, I don't have a ton to say. I'm not a well, good speaker when it comes to this, but. But, you know, it's easy to like get a chip on your shoulder about something or hop them damn people from Anchorage coming yep. up here well, shooting it, our caribou. And you know, I've, you know, I've, it's, I've, you I've, have to be objective. Yeah. And I've been there. I, I think that, uh, you know, it goes both ways on that too. Just like you say, you got somebody with a chip on their shoulder, they're going to write a proposal, but it goes the other way too, is if people don't get involved with a little bit of this and kind of somewhat, I'm not saying you got to just, you know, that's all you do every evening is read through a proposal book and all that kind of stuff. But it does work because I've been to these meetings where there's nobody. Yeah. Or a couple people. And it's only until it gets to where it's really hurting. I mean, it's like anything. Mm-hmm. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's the whole beauty of it. At least, you know, we don't have somebody dictating what all these rules and regulations are going to be. We do have input. Yeah. But a lot of people don't take advantage of it. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've been guilty of it. Oh, not too, that not yeah. that I'm always I'm not always there, but when things, especially when things are, you know, hit close to home, if you want to call mm-hmm. it that, it's stuff that I'm I'm willing to get more involved with. But I think in everybody, it might hit close to home for somebody differently than it does me. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, if people, if more people would be involved, you would have people, whatever side you're on, of of you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But whenever, I guess you can't complain if if you're not going to do anything about it. You can't complain about it then. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the easiest way for me to put it or, you know, kind of cut and dry. 
Yeah, I think even at a certain at a certain point, you know, just giving your input is something. You know, oh, I agree, and, and I think it, is, and it does matter. I think yeah. you know on the on the board of game side or the like AC committees and stuff, they do listen. Mm-hmm. When people come there to talk, they do listen and take. You know, they they they're not they're not just nonchalantly just not paying attention. You know, I just and I've seen that firsthand. You know. Yeah. But if nobody's there and you got one guy that's, they're just kind of like, well, nobody opposes it. And, and there's going to be some stuff that they're just not going to, they're going to throw out. It's not yeah. going to work. Yeah. But sometimes there's things that get through that not every, it's not going to make everybody happy, but there's nobody there to oppose it. And there's no reason why it couldn't be. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, totally. No. Um, and and stuff like, man, man, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I mean, this goes down. I mean, even on the fishing side of things, yeah, fishing. You know, fishing's a, a whole other world. It is, of that. It, but it's the same. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, and not going into depth. I mean, I could go into depth on some fishing stuff that over the past few years yeah. has went went by that got changed because of people's input. Mm-hmm. And for the better, yeah, yeah. And you no, know, where, and, and, and I, you know where I'm talking about, yeah, yeah. You know, and ideally, and ideally, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, those changes are for the better. Even even a little input, you know, it's and and I guess is is anything. And I'm you know, it's just you know my a lot of it's my opinion and the way I look at it, and maybe would like people to look at it on on issues like this. I think so many of these things they're trying. It's like. You know, there's the try to use the the save you know save the population angle, but also, it, and I was I was like having a I'd say argument with a guy that brought this up after seeing something I posted about it, and it was ended up being positive. But um, you know, first it's about up oh, save it's save the sheep. We got to stop hunting them to save the sheep and. I almost look at it like a flow chart, you know, those mm-hmm. old, you know, where if yes, go this way, if no, go this way, yeah. or like a create your own adventure yeah. book or something. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, all right, well, do we, you know, do we believe this, you know, the, the management, you know, harvest criteria for rams, you know, if we do, then it's not, you know, and I think the bio, this, I think the biologists, even, even with, you know, low, like bad survey numbers from last year it's sustainable like this model and yeah. this like this criteria is is sustainable it doesn't mean there it doesn't mean there's going to be sheep everywhere it may take a while for stuff to bounce back but in you know sheep hunting may be freaking 10 times harder than it has been yeah well you look at the history of it it always there's times when there's highs yeah. there's a lot more sheep yeah of course you're probably going to have more hunters because there's higher sheep numbers yeah and of course, the success rate is going to be higher because there's more sheep to harvest, in most cases. Yep. And you know the other it works the other way too, though. Whenever you have lower numbers, you may have less hunters, and even the ones that are harvested because of the full curl, there's still mature sheep that can be taken. So it's kind of man it it it, it keeps it yeah. at somewhat of a sustainable level. Yeah. I mean, I th- I think the data shows that that. At the, you know, at least at this point, there hasn't been anything to say otherwise that it's not, that hunting them is not sustainable. If it wasn't sustainable, then you, then the next part of the argument 
should be eliminated from play. You know, because if taking only mature rams isn't sustainable, taking ewes and young rams and stuff like that subsistence is not sustainable. Exactly. Um, so after it go, you know, after the the angle of up the sheep, or you know, save the sheep population, stop hunting, then it's oh well, it's about us getting our meat, the meat we need, which you know, I which. I mean, I, I'm on that program. I, I can get with that program too. I mean, I, I like, I value my ability to be able to go out and get meat. You know, I wouldn't be able to afford to buy meat in town either, you know, no. but what it ultimately ends up being is it's like, it's an, I see it, it's an attempt to like control the outcome and you can't control the outcome. Yeah. You know, people throw examples of, well, you know, people in these different rural areas can't outcompete. Well, can't outcompete people from town, and you know, like sometimes people in town have access to more tools, and is there, there's no two situations that are going to be exactly the same. What no. it, what it ends up boiling down to is, I don't have, I can't shoot sheep from my truck, I can't, I don't have caribou standing in my yard right now. Yeah, I mean that's you how know, that's how I feel. And that's you know? that's it's a like, little bit that's a little bit maybe not to like insult people. That's maybe a little no. dumbed down, but. That's kind of the thing. Like you can't, if if the if the heart the current harvest is sustainable, then what you're really after is eliminating competition. And you think that by eliminating competition, it's going to make opportunities easier, easier for, for you. you. Yeah. And maybe it will, maybe it won't. You have no control over that. You know, if you know if if not getting your subsistence sheep is going to kill you. Well, in that area, why you can blast 30 caribou off the road with a rifle if you and want mo- to and, you can, and, and moose. moose and everything else, you know, stuff that's plentiful. So I just, I, it's irritating to me when you start seeing, you know, you hear arguments like this and then there's a million, well, what about this? And what about that? It's, and, and it the is mo- complicated. And, the motive, and it is complicated, but it's, it ends up circling around to being, you know, to not being about what it's said to be yeah. about. Well, and that's the thing. I have nothing against subsistence users. No, and, I mean, in like, I mean, we're in, we, you know, you and I in incapacity are subsistence users. We're, you know, we're not like, well, you know, I, we don't live out Northwest and, and qualify as subsistence users in those areas. But I sure is like, I don't know that I have 10 pounds of non game meat in my freezer. Well, that's what I was just going to say. I don't, we don't buy. We might buy some chicken yeah. and some bacon, but the majority of the meat is meat that I've shot. So, like you say, in essence, we still are subsistence users Yeah, to a certain degree. We just don't live. We just don't qualify as federal. As federal subsistence. And so, you know, some of it's not. I think some of it's genuine, but I think a lot of, a lot of stuff like this can be motivated, you know, sometimes by just one or two or a small group of people. It doesn't even reflect on the, you know, communities as a whole. Sometimes no. it's just a handful or one or two people that are pissed off about something from, yep. sometimes from years ago. Yep. And they haven't forgot about that. And, you know, yeah, they're damn bound it, if bound the sheet, you know, if, oh, now, now's our chance. The sheet, you know, the sur- survey is a bum one and, and, you know, there are fewer sheep around. So this is. This an opportunity now or never type yeah, of deal. It's, it's an yeah, opportunistic mentality. Whether whether I'm right or wrong about that, that's just how it how it comes across to me. And I don't, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's wise, and I don't think it's necessary. You know, no, it's short sighted 
you know, if we're, we're, if we're willing to edge other people out when it's not scientifically warranted. Yeah. Or it's not objectively warranted. There's situations when it makes sense. For sure. But I don't think like this is, I have yet to be convinced that any of the recent ones are. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not convinced either. And I don't know. It's. It's it's definitely a kind of a touchy situation, and it's also complicated. There's a lot more involved, especially when you go from the federal to the state side. Yeah, and nothing has happened stateside. Well, nothing's happened federally yet, but yeah, it's it's like you were saying. It's kind of like the foot in the door thing. That's kind of how I look at mm-hmm. it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just wanted people to be aware of what's going on because. You know, you, me, other people we know, we're involved with hunting a lot. And we didn't even know about it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. And, and, and I guess and, I, and I hate the... to keep saying that, but it's, you know, what else is going on that we don't know about? Yeah. And that, well, and frankly, like in a, in a system, that's kind of the scary thing about the scary side of a system like ours is you never know like who's scheming and, and some, you know, some true. stuff like this. Like the initial impression is uh, like whatever, you know, people do whatever they're going to do. It's not going to happen, but it might, but it might. And and, and that's the thing. I don't want to, I don't want to come off like, oh, you know, panic because it's not a, it's not a But pay attention. But pay attention. Exactly. You know, because I think if you don't, if you're asleep at the wheel, that's when stuff's going to get by you and then you're not going to know or you're not going to be able to go back. Yeah. Just goes back to what we were yeah. saying. You're, yeah. Once you lose it, it's going to be 15 times harder or more, you know, it's almost impossible to get some of these, yeah, to regain it, some of these opportunities. Because say, you know, even say like, all right, man, it's really struggling right now. Let's close it. Let's, you know, band together to do. And I like, you know, if, if stop stopping hunting sheep in areas or universally for a time, you know, like. I don't want to be the guy to kill the last sheep yeah. type of deal. Yeah. You know, like there, it's important to me. I want, I want my, I want my kids to be able to do it. You know, like the sustainability of the resource it is very important to me, but things like, you know, arbitrary closures or closure, you know, if there's not an equal effort to bring them back, you know, to correct when, it, when you, you can, you, it's easy to close it. But it takes a lot of effort to and money, money. Well, to study it, and and if you have to take action, you know, like however much money the state spent on their wolf control in in the forty mile that that you know did. I, I mean, I think they credit it is with with as being being a cause of the forty mile herd's freaking boom. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up. The money too. I mean, that's the thing that these people that are against guides. I mean. The numbers don't lie that the non-residents and the guides are bringing in more money than we are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if that was gone, I mean, is everybody willing to step up and be like, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay for tags, or I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do"? The money's got to yeah. come from somewhere. It just yeah. doesn't appear and grow on a money yeah. tree. And it's in in. You know what I'm in, saying? Oh, I have well, oh, I, totally. And I and I, in the other side, you know, because I've. Part of me feels like that, like I I understand the, well you know oh so the state you know, the the feeling and the perception like oh the state's just going to cater and let let these rich guys do whatever they want to do because they got the money and 
you know, the money, but but the money is like that. The state, the revenue the state makes is an important. Does I don't think that that money means that non-residents should have more priority no, to our I don't resources either. than I don't we either. do. But in a situation where the numbers and the you know like objective scientific management doesn't you know su- doesn't support eliminating or reducing the the heart you know the hunting opportunity then i like i think it's just arbitrary and it's just you know well cr- it's just crossing dicks to try to you know eliminate competition because of hard feelings is what yeah. a lot of it boils yeah. down to no and you're right you are right i mean and I will, i'll say too that the you know when that the tag prices went up yeah. When they did that, I mean, I talked to a few people and they didn't like that, you know, and I'm thinking to myself. And it had been like 25 years since they made any That's exactly increase. it, you know, and I mean, I, some of my thoughts on it, I think it should be even more just because of what the species are and the value of them. You know, like, you know, like I, mean, I, you know, personally, everyone has their line. That, and, and that's my opinion. And, but, you know, I like, like for sheep, ex- sheep, for example, I've had this discussion with people before, you know. I like having, I like getting a sheep harvest ticket for free. I like it. Would I pay 500 bucks for a sheep tag? Yeah. Well, I think there would be other people that probably would too, but I, you know, it, you know, I don't know. That's a, that's a hard one too. You know what I'm saying? It is. There's no part of this that is not complicated or has a lot of different, you know, cause like we're all, not all, but those of us who are you know, interested in this discussion are probably almost all like passionate. Like you don't, you're not a casual, you don't, there's no casual sheep hunters that stay in it for very long. You know, like it's, it means a lot to us. And, and so you get a lot of really strong feelings about it and that's fine. Yeah. I I just like, I I just want people to be like, like, let's be objective. You know, I kind of, after being more on the anti non, you know, kind of chip on my shoulder type of mentality. And I've, I've kind of, I've kind of come the other way and anymore. I'm like, if we change anything, we're going to screw it up. You know, we're yeah. just, some, well, it's going to get, it's going to get effed up and, and we're not going to be able to, to, to reverse it. And maybe that's right. Maybe that's wrong. It's just my feeling, but it's, I just want people to be objective and really like, you know, maybe think about the reasons. Like, there's been a couple of people who've been like, "Up, oh, uh, we gotta, we gotta stop sheep hunting statewide." Okay, well, you know, would that actual would that actually help the situation? And then, you know, and then you got to look at all these different levels. How do we get it back? What are we actually going to do in addition to just stopping hunting? Yeah. You know, I get the impression, you know, from guy, you know, biologists I've talked to that, like, yeah, it's it's it might be slim pickings for a while, and yep. and I th- I think a lot of them would, you know, I don't know, I can't, I'm not going to try to speak for them. I would like to see more active predator management. Well, and in, I th- in area in areas that would make a difference for sheep directly, not just go wipe. I don't want to see every predator on the landscape totally wiped out. That's not that's not what I'm saying, but. Um, I think there are things that could be done, but then, you know, you also have the challenge of, of money to do it. And a lot of those guys, you know, they're, they're, you can only, can only do so much. Well, and that's, that's where I was getting with the whole, 
the the non-resident thing, the money's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. And if if and if we like our free tags, if you want to call it that, and everything, that money's going to come from the non-resident. A lot of it, mm-hmm. not all of it, but a lot of it. Now I have gripes. My own personal opinion. I have gripes with some of the guide rules. I guess you could call them. And I'm not even going to go into it, but no, I know, I, I know what you mean. <clears throat> and it's along the non-resident lines, but I just think you know it, 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 the money's got to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Whether it's for management, I mean, if they if they had more money, they, maybe they could fly surveys more. If you know what I'm saying, yeah. I mean, to to fly. A sheep survey. I mean, I don't know what it costs, but I'm sure it's ridiculous. I mean, oh, just, yeah. you got to put a air, helicopter or an airplane in the air. And I mean, you look at some of these numbers. I mean, they had 15 hours of flying in a survey. You know, total. Yeah. For that year. Yeah. So it's, it's not much. So yeah, and and so I mean, and I think they're going to do the best they can with that. You know. But you got a lot of variables in that. Well, too. and you also have, yeah the wet the timing because you know like I know. That these sheep guys they tr- they they try to get their surveys done in certain time frames, where they're not going to have the sheep all stressed and spun up right before she- they try not to do them right before, before sheep, sheep season. season. Yep. Um. You know, and surveys are fallible. I'm not saying that this you know last Brooks, but the survey. I'm not saying that the numbers are wrong or that they screwed it up or anything like that. But just keep in mind that you know aerial surveys are aerial surveys and they're fallible. Yeah. You know, like even in the data that you got, I think I don't know if you printed off that table, but I did. I got all of it right. Here. Oh, the different sheep harvest data and survey data from for the last 10 years or more up in that area of the brooks. You know, I just it stood out to me that you know, they had their running average is that the one you're talking uh, about? No, it's not. It's um oh. of sheep sheep survey. They had the running average in that, you know, whatever time oh. period, 10 or 20 years, whatever it was, was it's like um, 1,300, I want to say. Is that the right one? No, nah, it's not the right one anyway. I know. I I remember the number I was after. <laughs> but uh, it was like 1,300 total sheep they'd seen in their survey. And it varied by a few hundred. And then one, oh, I think it was 2014, one year, it was like... 800 or like half of what it had been. And you look over and they spent, they spent, I think it was 20 some hour. It was like as much, there was one other, I think it was the year before they spent the same amount of time flying, but, but it was more, basically more time in the air doing the survey than, than any of the other years. And they saw half the amount of sheep. And then the next year it was back to normal. Yeah. Well, I've talked to biologists who've done it. You know, one guy had surveyed an area that he knew I was going to be hunting and told me, yeah, so this is was, uh, yeah, the average from 2002 to 2021 was, or this is actually a little different. Because this includes 2021, the other one didn't. But it was like the numbers had been going, you know, 1,500, 1,300, 1,500, 1,700, 800. And then the next year was like 1,200, 1,172, 13. And then that, yeah, 2016, and then 2018, 688. And then 2021, last year was 469, which is like a super, you know, kind of alarmingly low number. And I'm not saying that that it isn't 
But I think really the importance long. of that too, you can't look at just one year. I think you have to kind of look at a long term to start seeing if there's a trend or Yeah. I, I mean I think that helps, you know and what it, I'm saying? Yeah, and and you know, as much as you don't like it, like there's nothing you're gonna be able to do about it in a year time frame. No. Aside from like everyone get their cubs up there and start blasting wolves, like that's and even that, you know, it's it unless you know, the stuff takes time and it sucks, you know, it sucks getting rained on here, worrying like, oh, well, what the hell are the sheep experiencing up there? You know, how bad, how bad is it going to be? Only time will tell. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I might've sent you the wrong one. I think that's the right. Yeah. Maybe you sent me the wrong one, but you know, anyway, like a biologist had surveyed area that he knew I was going to be hunting and asked me to like do like a handwritten just on foot record like the numbers of sheep I was seeing because he I think he said was it there was like almost no lambs like didn't see any lambs during the survey during the survey like or very few ewes and no lamb I can't remember but it was like kind of alarming and from like what I saw and written down everything was like totally proportionally appropriate what you normally would see what you normally would see well see i i had a similar experience way back and i don't remember when they when all that sheep permits you know when they were trying to go to sheep permits and yeah draw and all that stuff people were saying oh we're not seeing the same the sheep i don't even remember what year that was for 2014 might have been before that even i can't remember Maybe even 2000 Heck, I don't remember. Because this, like, this whole, like, it's been brew. the whole sheep topic has been brewing for, like... Oh, years. A long decade, a, yeah. you know, over 10 years. But I guess that's the thing, too. You can't always, all that, from what I was hearing, and what some of the areas they were talking about was an area that I had had been hunting for, like, six or seven years. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen much change. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that it wasn't different in some other drainage or you know, across the, you know, 50 miles away or a hundred miles away. Yeah. But it, it kind of alludes to what you were saying, the same thing. What you saw boots on the ground was different than what. What they saw out of the airplane. What they saw out of an airplane. Yeah. And or that's, even, that's or only... even what some of these other guide pilots were saying. Yeah. You know. You know, and all I'm saying, all I'm saying by that is like, it's like to not, Say, I think you have. I'm to, not saying don't believe surveys, but like just remember that sometimes like there's going to be inaccuracies. There's going to be inaccuracies. So you know, it's, but that's I, what I that's what I was implying though. You got to look over a period of time. You can't because you're going to get a better baseline or an yeah, average yeah. than now. You can see you can see the numbers have went down. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the bad weather years. That corresponds with those bad weather years, if I'm not, if I'm correct. Oh yeah, well you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, state and statewide 2020, 2021, or was it spring of 2020 and spring of 2021? You know, like we're bad. You know, big dumps of snow in April type of yeah type of deal that that well, and that's state. You know, across the state had big impacts. Yes. But that's the other thing. Some of these numbers we're talking, this is not just, this is for unit 24. Yeah. 
So yeah. this isn't statewide. No, not statewide. Yeah. There's... So, I mean, they're going to get variables, yeah. just like the Alaska range. I mean, I don't know where we're at. I've heard that numbers are down there, too. Yeah. Well, of course, it's coming off of, yeah, numbers are down there, too, but it is also coming off of, like, huge numbers. Yeah. You know, the central Alaska range, you know, in, in a certain area survey, what, just a few, a few years ago, I think they counted like 57 legal rams in one area, you know, and it's an area that gets a lot of pressure and it's all weather. It's not hunting. Yeah. You know, so I think you just like, I go back to just, you got to be objective and try and try not to jump to like emotional responses to, you know, because I feel like we need to stop hunting sheep to help them recover does that actually, does, would us stopping hunting sheep actually make any difference or would it make things worse in some ways? I don't know. But it's, it's stuff that I just, people should think about, I think. Well, it's like I, I told you earlier. That's why I like to look at this, the actual, the numbers, at least it gives me an idea. I'm not going to maybe base everything yeah. off well, of this. Well, and you know, like one of the, one of the arguments I heard, you know, same word on the street tossed around for this, this push, you know this current one that we're, we're doing this podcast about, it's kind of funny because it's like, we're doing a podcast about a regulation proposal that may or may not happen, but yeah, it probably, it will in some way or another. But one of the, just another justification is all, oh, you know, up oh, the GIs are shooting or shooting all the sub legal oh, yeah, rams yeah. before they, before they're legal. And well, the there's data been, I have what, the data says there's been one. one ram confiscated in the last whatever year. Yeah. I, it was several a, years, several years, and not that's not to say that some might not slip under the radar, but it's not going to be a lot. No, and if someone's claiming that a group of people or anybody is shooting all these sublegal rams, well, how do you know that? Like, if you know that, then you're you're going to be turning them in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, there's going to be there's going to be like it's not like you just watch people walk out of the mountains with all these sublegal rams. And not say anything, yeah. you know, and then just save that for the time you're trying to m- propose a regulation. Yeah. Well, you and know, I, I think, you know, and people may even believe some of that stuff, but you gotta, like, you've gotta separate, you know, reality from perception a little bit and, anecd- you know, and you gotta sell anecdotes. I think, you know, stories and experiences do mean something, but you have to keep, like, remember the context in which they do it mean was something. Told, yeah. I agree. Well, and that's the thing too. Look, we, me and you talked earlier. Everybody's got an opinion on what they see when they're in the field. I mean, in the whole shooting the sub legal thing, maybe that's their opinion. It's an opinion, though. Yeah. And to me, to change a regulation, especially something as drastic as what and this like is, long term impacts. That's that's insane to me because that's not accurate info. That's yeah. just not. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not, it's not to say that I, you know, most like the board of game, maybe even the subsistence board, you know, you like to believe like that and you want to trust the system that's like, all right, they're going to weed, weed stuff that's not justified out, but you can't count on that. No. Because stuff does get through. Yep. And especially stuff with no no feedback or opposition, and and that's that's what I was saying before. I mean, I'm I'm not probably wording it the best way, but that's why I think people need to be involved. I mean, 
because otherwise it could get through. They could just be like, well, maybe maybe that guy's right. Maybe uh, maybe they are all getting shot and they're they're not getting. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But you, to me, without proof of that, it that it doesn't it doesn't even carry it has the weight. You no, know? it has no. You, you, you can't stand on that at all. In no. my even without some sort of backing for it. Yeah, but, no, but it's. Anytime there, it's like just a push to close. I mean, whether it's sheep or caribou or anything, that's kind of a red flag to me. Oh, me too. When it's not, when it, you don't see any efforts to have a positive impact on a population that we can, you know, one of the, few, you know, some of the few things we control. I know I keep like a beating a dead horse, you know, with the predator control thing, but really, like that's in a lot of cases, like it, it does work, and. That's one of the few things we can have an input on. Yep. You know, some, and, and even, you know, you can get into, but, and you don't even see anybody like pushing for that. It's like you're, most of the time with the feds, you're not going to get anywhere on that stuff, but, n- but no one's trying either. Yeah. You know, stuff like we talked about, you know, sheep, as far as predation, you know, the, and I, I don't even believe that predation is the major cause of like this decline. I don't either. But, Helping them in that, it's just is, is going to is going to aid in their recovery. And it's one of the few things we can do to help their help them bounce back, or maybe bounce and, back quicker. Yeah, bounce back, bounce back quicker. You know, and that and that's all I'm saying with but that. That's but subjective. no one, no one even, no one even approaches that. You know, you got things like golden eagles. Golden eagles kill a shitload of doll sheep. Yep. Well, that you know, chart well, shows co- it. <laughs> that chart shows it, and co- you know. Even stuff that I didn't know, you know, like, I mean, Coke Wallace was telling me one or two of his guides seen, and maybe I even mentioned this on the podcast this last season, saw a pair of golden eagles ripping the shit out of a, like, uh, you know, not old, but like much, fairly mature rams, you know, six-year-old ram, like just ripping chunks out of his back, and he, you know, disappeared, but probably didn't make it yeah probably didn't you know if they're and if they're doing that if you you see them doing something like that yeah they it ain't their probably isn't their first rodeo not to yep. say that they get mature sheep a lot they're just hell on the lambs but you know like i wonder like how many how many sheep do ravens kill you know you read like all like um back to my hero frank glazer out there in the you know kind of doing predator wolf control around these reindeer herds like observed you know these ravens would hammer these um herds of reindeer that were calving you know and just swarm them by the hundreds and they drop cow drops a calf they peck the eyeballs out and wait for the calf to die yeah you you know that may not be even that may not even be a major thing with sheep maybe it is some areas coyotes man yeah Coyotes are right up there. Like one, it was that ram. I'd killed him and was cutting, uh, yeah, I was, I was hauling. There was a big flat rock, like maybe 10 yards from where he died. And so I was cutting quarters off and hauling them over to that flat rock. And I was over there, I think, or my rifle was at the other, (laughs) the other spot, wherever I was. And I look up and there's a coyote standing there about 15 yards away. And I'm at like over 6,000 feet. Like there's like, what's that coyote doing up yeah. here? 
you know, and yeah, there's probably not much, uh, anything else for them to eat at that kind of elevation. I mean, no. Well, and, and, you know, coyotes, back to like coyotes may not have a big, huge impact on mature sheep, but the lambs. Lambs they do, yeah. You know, I'm especially sure. for specific time periods, like grizzly bears are just hell on moose calves and black bears too. You know, that first couple of weeks they're alive, they clob, they, yep. you know, areas they kill almost a hundred percent of them. Yep. So, you know, but learn, you know, learning all this stuff and studying and. Well, and that's it takes time and money and and well and it's it's just dang. well and I think I mean I'm like I said I'm guilty of there's a lot of information here and there's a lot of stuff that I just think if if people would get involved and even between friends I think you'd be you'd start passing information back and forth to each other and you'd learn stuff yeah you know what I'm saying oh yeah so it's not a matter of I don't think you got to know all of it. That's for sure. But I think. Yeah. Or, or at least, you know, do enough to ask reasonable questions. questions. Yeah. You know, you don't even have to form your opinion. You know, you may, you may look at the same data and come to a different conclusion that I, that I come to, or you come to, but you know, at least people being involved is, I think, a step in the right direction. Yeah. You know, other, otherwise it's like a. It's a super mine. It ends up being like a lot of government, probably. It's a super minority of people influencing the man, you know, these decisions yeah. and regulations and stuff like that. Yep. And so. some of them people, they have a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> and that's yeah, that. I that's I, the truth. I really think that's that's a lot of it too, because some of the some of these guys are they they do they got the time to to put into it. And that's not it, to knock them either. I know no, you're not because, no. because there's, that, a lot well, of posi- pat- there's a lot of positive stuff that comes through like people, a lot of these, these, you know, men and guys and gals like giving, they're devoting a lot of their time to this, but you do, there's, it's not like you can't just accept everything that's going to come down yes. the pipe either. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what I was saying. It's, it's harder for, you know, some guys to be able to find the time to really yeah. put into this. And I mean, those guys—they're passionate about what they're what they're going for, and that's that's why they keep doing it. You know, keep just trying to drive the nail. You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I don't yeah. know. No, anyway. but not. I mean, and, and you know, and it's so it's so device. I don't like how divisive it is because no, I don't because I don't ninety either, like ninety percent of other stuff like all of us probably like. Totally, you know, you know, be on the same on the same page with, and you know, stuff like this that really gets us fired up. Yeah, you know, it can it can, unfortunately, like raise some tempers sometimes. Oh yeah, but I mean, but, but you know, and, you know, I would, you know, I you can't fault anybody for being passionate about like what they what they want. But if you disagree and you think you got le- legitimate like grounds for disagreement, you know, that's. Like yep, it's almost. Well, a, I was almost a responsibility to confront confront that you know stuff. I, that I feel like it, especially if you care about it. If you, I mean, if you could care less about sheep hunting, don't worry about it. I guess, but you but know, it, but it's not going to be limited. You know, stuff it may like not be limited to sheep hunting. You know, or not eventually. You know, and that's. You know, like in some respect, I don't have any plans to go hunting caribou. Up in the northwest, you know, if I got access to different caribou, but yeah, what happens if I want to go hiking and hunt sheep off the haul road or, 
now, you know, if this, this rolls through yep, or if I wanted to go do this or that, it's just, I think it's going to take some diligence because, you know, through this, this wildlife special action request avenue, which I think a lot of it's just an abuse of the subsistence board. Well, but um, it sets a precedent. It does set, it, a, it sets a precedence that you, that now you have to actively, you know, confront these these proposals that that are going to be popping up and i think more and more of them are going to be popping up and you know people may be okay with excluding other people from the area they live and hunt but you know so eventually it's going to happen to them yep you know it's going to affect everybody if we can't like figure out how to get along and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> I'm just depressed now. <laughs> well, but we, yeah, so we probably talked about that enough. What yeah. else do you want to talk about? Oh, I don't know. Probably something fun. I know I need to read. I need to get yeah, to oh, reading Pete's Pete yeah. book. Frank um, told me he finished this. I need to get a copy of this and read it too. He said it was really good. Yeah, it's been sitting there. I need to do start dedicating a little bit of like as part of my work day. I need to start dedicating <laughs> like half an hour or an hour of reading time. Being a being a writer, right? I should. Yeah, I think I'd find it hard to do that, but maybe not. Maybe it might inspire you to. Or I would end up to, if you're getting into stuff you like reading, you'd read way yeah read way too, too much. much. But probably. even something like that, like my whole collection of old vintage magazines, you know, a lot like there's a lot of cool stories in there, and a lot of them I haven't I haven't read, haven't read, you know, but like one or two I collected. I got I got a lot of them based on well some of them came with issues that i wanted you know for certain stories like old jack o'connor stories and stuff like that but uh yeah no just been grind grinding away shooting pistols as you can tell by my table out there but that's that's pretty fun um i'm actually doing a sheep hunting seminar down uh the alaska safari club banquet oh cool i I did it for a couple of years in a row and then last year we took off um i think it's like the 20 26th or the 27th whatever saturday that saturday is so we'll probably drive down with the kids and that'd be cool they can go to the water park and i'll go embarrass myself and <laughs> talk about try to talk about sheep hunting no. well, that'll, that'll be cool it's it's fun the la last time i about had a, a meltdown like you've never seen man my uh is that when your computer my computer shit out on my yeah. it was the end button on my <laughs> on my number keys is what I finally after I got home I figured out that that button was going bad I ended up like popping it off of there because yeah I started the presentation everything you know you get some butterflies everything's going all right and then it just kept jumping to the end and I was like wrestling with the realization that I got a room full of people and I might have to like do this whole thing without a single picture. <laughs> <laughs> or anything, and I was I was getting pretty mad. I was tempted to throw my computer across the room, but we got through it. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty frustrating. Yeah, but technology. Yeah. That's technology for you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it though. It'll be it's always fun talking about sheep hunting, and you know, I think you know the mess the mess. You know, is, everyone wants to talk about the low sheep numbers, and and it it sucks, you know. Sheep hunting's going to be harder for a while, you know, at least for probably for several years. Yeah, yep. But, uh, you know, I th I think the, I you know, my personal opinion is, you know, go hunt sheep. If you want to hunt sheep, go hunt. But try to kill at least eight-year-old rams. 
Yeah, and I I personally think most guys are going to anyway. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know that. Well, one issue, guys that are serious about yeah. it, I guess. Should, I, I know should this last? I know this last year there was a lot of young Rams killed. Not to say it was a lot of illegal Rams, but just a lot of young Rams. younger ones. And you know, I mean, the I can't. I can only say so much. The last Ram I killed was seven, and I knew he was seven when I killed him. But um, you know, I I didn't in, I didn't. I wanted to kill one of one of I could have had my pick of two other rams in the bunch that I know were older than him just but I I never got a perfect like confirming look before the shooting started and he was standing in front of me and I knew he was legal and I just made the decision um but in the future you know like this year it's like ah eh, I'm just not I'm if I shoot a 7 year old it's going to be a whopper well, I, I would, just I should just try, you know, and everyone draws their line somewhere. But yeah, I think we should try to shoot eight year old Rams or more. Not to say you have to age them perfectly or know how to age them perfectly, but it's like you know, you look at a lot of these Rams. You know, yeah, you can even buy like Clay Lancaster's whole, you know, four. If you can see four growth rings in the crown of their horn, you know, they're going to be eight. You know, just the difference between older rams and a seven-year-old ram usually mm-hmm. you can you can kind of tell so i don't know hmm. that's my takeaway yeah well i'm to me the older ones have more character anyway usually not always i guess but they usually do but yeah. they usually do i think that's what that's what always intrigues me is just that i'd way rather shoot a broomed ram or yeah i i, I, I like i mean personally that's just me but yeah, as you can see, I'm equal opportunity. <laughs> but, <laughs> got a variety. <laughs> got a variety, but uh, no, yeah, it's uh, yeah, winter's going pretty quick and yep. ready to get out. You know, hopefully do some more fishing and get. I need to. I don't know if I should put this out there. I'm looking for a connection to the to the commissary on post for their their dog food <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> or i need to figure i need to figure out a uh a good source for dog food i may be able, I may be able to help you with nick's that. gone and yeah what i think i bought 25 bags last year right off the bat and i used every single one of them um yeah we'll talk also is one of like i think like this podcast has the best listeners <laughs> like everybody you know there was a guy email or messaged a while back drives for Carlisle and uh sorry I can't remember your name off the top of my head but I remember I remember the conversation um you know runs back and forth from Anchorage for Carlisle and uh was like oh have you heard about this program Carlisle has do you know where I'm going with this uh-uh. so Carlisle has this program that you you sign up for it and you know there's all sorts of shit that you can try to order from the lower 48 and they won't ship it to Alaska like even on Amazon and stuff like tire, you know, I don't know what the limitations are to this. So like explore at your own risk, but Carlisle's program where they'll give you an, you sign up, we will become a member, whatever that involves. You give you an address, I think in Washington or Seattle to oh, send it's like, it to. It's like a forwarding. Yeah. Like deal. A, it's a, I mean, that's all it is. Yeah. But, um, and then I think, you know, you can pick it up at their terminal in Fairbanks or Anchorage or whatever huh. the details but some stuff, you know, like 
Yeah, uh, pallets be, of dog be, food. It looked yeah. like it might come in handy. <laughs> Call, get Purina on the phone. Give me the cheapest second. If you can, I wonder if you can buy like seconds of dog food, <laughs> blemished yeah. dog food, blemished open bags that's taped up or something. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. No, that would be nice. I'm really looking forward to getting out and just, you know, the sheep may be hurting, but the bears are in for a hurting. <laughs> yeah, I haven't actually, I haven't actually thought about bear baiting a whole lot. I know my brother has been, but he's been. I'm getting. Dog food and this, he's going. Oh, already, he, man. Oh, yeah, he's. But he's been thinking about it, so I don't know. I, I'm I'm behind the curve on that one, a little bit. Yeah, well, I haven't gone that far. I need to go start. Well, they closed the one Kentucky Fried Chicken down. That was my source for oil. Oh, last year was disgusting. Whoever they had running that place, man, like they weren't actually. They were just filling up the whole back place with uh, the dumpster area with their grease jugs. And then the ravens were pecking holes in them, oh, and so and it, was it was running, running everywhere because they weren't actually like covering them up or disposing, getting them hauled off. Um, Quick so enough. That place is gone, but the other one, there's places to get grease in town. It's it's easy when you're ahead of it, like in March, no yeah. one's getting it yet, so you can just go load up with whatever you need for the year. And no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting out. Well, it's a long time yet, but getting outside and shooting my bow. Yeah, I haven't shot. How'd your, uh, I seen your course thing here. How's that going? Oh, no, it was good. I, I actually took it this weekend, um, uh, USA Archery. Yeah, level, Frank, Frank level was three. giving you a hard time because uh, you didn't come fishing because you were stuck at home studying. Yeah, stuck at home studying on Zoom. And, you know, I like, I, I don't know. This one with is. I would say it was easy, but I, it's like I've been studying for that test for three years type of deal. You know, I mean, I stay in really close. I talk to Tom Klum all the time. and That's level three? No, he's level four. This is level three. That like, you're doing. That right I, I did, yeah. Um, you know, the le- he, Tom actually kind of got me through the the one and two. It's all like just super, super basic stuff. And level three, as far as, I mean, this whole other subject, but level three, you go over the actual steps of, you know, the NTS, National Training System um, method for shooting a bow. And there was really, there was like one update that they've changed a little bit since Tom went to, because he had to, he had to get his certification from the head U.S. Olympic coach who developed, who's the guy that like behind developing this whole system. And, uh, you know, spent like a week at the training center and just super intense, you know, learn all this stuff. And then you have to give a presentation to the, you know, Kissick Lee, the head, the head archery coach for the country, you know, and I guess he's like, you know, and naturally, so you should be at that level, like a stickler, yeah. You know, like fail, like, you know, I think Tom said he failed his, his like bunk mate who could repeat everything flawlessly, but he couldn't demonstrate it properly. You know, <laughs> you're not level four, <laughs> you know, you have one year. I think he, Tom said he told him he had a year and if he, he could, if he showed up at one of these events that, that coach Lee was going to be at and he could demonstrate it, that he would give him his. You know, Pass him on the on it, but difficult. This level three stuff. I mean, I can't really take credit for it. Just it's you know, Tom's taught me 
all this stuff. He's like, you know, and I, I want kind of want to drink through the fire hose. Mm-hmm. And I put a lot of time into kind of self-study and and learning the stuff myself. I mean, that's a long way, a winded way of saying like this class, it was good. It was useful, but it was stuff, mostly almost all stuff I could have taught myself. Kind of stuff you already. Yeah. Kind, kind of, of jumping, kind of like jumping through a hoop, like some of the actual more, you know, coaching technique and training plans and stuff like that was really cool information. Um, you know, it, it was worth going through, but at the same time, part of parts of it was like it was a grind. It was repetitious. I could see or, it. Yeah, I could see. I could see it being super intense if you were coming from like the normal like level two instructor who hasn't spent like hundreds of hours working. And a lot of mine was my own self interest just to develop mm-hmm. my own shot and whatnot. But no. I'm try. I shouldn't just totally archery nerd out on this. It's it's going to go down a path that nobody's going to want to listen to. <laughs> I think. I mean, it's cool. No, but I mean, it, uh, that's beyond what I would probably. No, I mean, myself, my but. my plan is to go to get the level four. I know they did like an online one, which that's a whole another. There's some whole other stories that get involved in that, but. You know, like doing the level four, they did one like Zoom class. I, just, I, I, I think it would be shorting. I wouldn't want to do it online because I think I would learn so much more by being there, being in person, you know, like where you can, there's so many details to it that you could just instantly have worked out and understand so much better in person. Um, and so uh, that's my plan. I think it'll be, you're supposed to wait a year. But, um, I was talking to one of the coaches there who actually like is really into hunting. Um, he's a super cool guy was saying like, yeah, like maybe that could be fudged, you know, if there's, if there's some way for me to prove, uh, show I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah. But net normally like, you know, coaches get certified level three, then they want you to wait a, a year to like, cause it's, it's a lot of stuff. If you're just taking this level three class without knowing any of it. Like it's a ton to absorb and you can't expect to come out of a three day class knowing any of it yeah. any better, you know, aside from like having studied it. So that when you went down, that was the class? No, then, no. I was uh, just down hanging out with Tom. Basically that was kind of last minute because, um, my boss told me not to go, you know, don't go to shot show, just pull the plug on that. And I had a plane ticket that I was like, well, you got you know, I already have a ticket somewhere. So I just changed it to go to Colorado and picked up my elk meat and, um, just, yeah. I mean, I, and I'd been wanting, looking for an excuse to go down there and like kind of do some tweaks and get some practice, like just watching Tom coach and how he, how he goes about it. And he's, you know, he's changed some things since, since I've been there, how he approaches it. I think it's just more efficient and more effective for guys like focusing on what's important and what you, you know, what's going to make the biggest difference for the limited amount of time he has with guys and it was, it was really helpful. So now I did that and then, um, re- I was renewing some cause you have to do these different, you know, cert, you know, like, um, like sexual harassment, abuse type training, like online training things when you first get your certification, then you have to renew those. So there's little like, 
Oh, I, see. I was I was just going through some renew stuff, and I saw that this guy was doing this level three because I'd wanted to do the level three for a while, you know, long time. I'd been bugging Tom to like because he had to do a little bit of training to be able to give the level three class, and I'd been bugging him about that. And then I saw this one. I'm like, well, actually, you know, it would be, be- and it was beneficial to take it from someone totally different just to verify that all the stuff and it was all the stuff I had learned from Tom was legit. You know, it's consistent. Yeah. So I'm sure a thing like yeah. that is probably pretty consistent. Yeah. Be, I am. Think, I am going to have to get a compound though. Oh, that's yeah. It's a dark road, <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was joking with Tom. I was like, oh, I think I'm going to have to get a compound. Right. You know, he's like, he's like, absolutely. You are. He's like, you got to be able to teach this stuff. And really, the, con- the you know, it'd be all right. And there, there's ways I think a compound, especially if I'm shooting this bare bow stuff, might, you know, I guess you could call it target panic. But I'd, I'd get sucked into getting triggered by the aim or sucked into, like, too hard of an aim. And, uh, you know, there's things that a shooting a compound could help me overcome overcome a little bit or just, like, train, you know, train getting used to like just letting the aim sit there and let in the pin flow it around. Yeah. Um, huh. That, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, I don't, I have, I've never seen you shoot a compound. I haven't shot a compound in almost 10 years, probably. Oh yeah. 10 years, over 10 years. Yeah. That'll be, uh, I'm sure the feel of that will be totally different. Yeah. No, it, I mean, it, and there's some key, it's interesting though, because like there's more similarities to the NTS way of shooting a bow with compounds and recurves. There's more similarities than differences. Well, and I, I believe that because when Tom was here working with Dylan, yeah, you know, Dylan was shooting his compound. Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff was basically the same. Yeah. The four, I mean, the four, know? the four biggest differences is, you know, the hooking the string, you know, like your release aid, that, that, the, um, what they call the, um, draw to load or set, or I guess, um, the setup and draw to load phase, which these are all just steps that are broken down. You know, it's not as complicated as it seems. It's just not intuitive. And they break it down into these different steps. You could say, you know, anyone who shoots a bow, you could, break it down into steps, but yeah. that's just how they do it. So there's, you know, as you basically how you, what, what happens when you raise the bow and when you draw the bow are slightly a different, bit different, you know, as with a recurve, as you raise the bow, you coil your upper body and that causes your hands to separate and you get into the weight of the bow, like into the brace of the bow, like you're pulling it back. You're not actively pulling it back, but the, the rotation of your up of your upper body separates your hands and pulls into it. And then, and then you, you know, and then you finish the draw with, with the draw load phase, load phase, but with a compound, because that all the weight of it's up front, you can't, you can't, you can't just coil that. and separate. So you, you know, you lift the bow and then you, you draw it by coiling and like pulling your scapula back. So it's all, it's kind of like one, one motion you're leading with your shoulder, with your shoulder blade, you know, and using your back, using back tension and coiling of your body to break it over into the let off. 
And then anchoring is a little different. You know, obviously if you're using it's your anchor is going to be different if you're using a, a handheld a hinge or a, or a yeah. caliper or trigger, you know, stuff like that. And then, uh, I think you, you know, there's a little bit more of an aiming component because you got to line, you know, get your peep and bubble stuff like that. There's a little bit more of a conscious aiming component to it, but oh, I think it'll be okay. Well, that'd be I kind of cool. don't You'll want, be... I kind of don't want to, but I should. Cause there's, I mean, there's a lot of guys that shoot compounds yeah. and being able to help. I mean, that's ultimately my goal is to be able to pass on the, you know, the knowledge and be able to help people. And I think, you know, compound in some ways, compound, you know, some ways compound is definitely easier. And I think it's easy, you know, some of the stuff is easier to teach for compound shooters and easier to get a whole, you know, to grasp. Well, I know it, I know Tom helped Dylan a lot just with that one day. Yeah. You know, shooting his compound. It was night and day difference, man. Yeah. I just couldn't believe the difference. Yeah. Just in accuracy and how mm-hmm. much further he could shoot accurately. Yeah. And it was just a few little things, you know. That's mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't really change that much. No. He was just a few, yeah. But so. it, that was kind of cool. That was definitely cool. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, I don't know. It's a whole other world, man. I got too much. There's too much stuff that I like doing, you know. Like, I would like to compete you know go go to different tournaments shooting this bare wacky barebow stuff you know it's fun you know and i feel like i could do pretty good i you know i i could get totally in sucked into training for it and doing this and traveling for it but you know i'm not going to give up the stuff i really well, like to do I, you know i'm not going to give up sheep hunting or going you know i'm not going to go shoot some stupid archery tournament so you know rather than go bear hunting yeah and, yeah, that's what one time I think I told Nick. It was when that train to hunt, they were talking about that train to hunt. Oh, was yeah. to Alaska. I asked Nick, I said, you going to the train to hunt? He goes, heck no, I'm going to be out really hunting, you yeah. know? And I was like, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a funny. We had a lot of conversations about that. Like, uh, it was like. And it's okay. Like it, no, I, it's just it's like, it's fine, people but... like, the, you know, like I have my own weird things that I like doing for the sake of doing them. And, yeah. But there, you know, there was certainly like a, a, a push by some people to be like, oh, you know, like I read posts, different social media posts. It's like, like oh, if they'd been a train, you know, doing train to hunt, they, things would have been different. And I'm like, man, if, if people would just go out and put the effort on hunting as much as they train to hunt, it would be, it would be different. But. Yeah, that's just. Well, I I don't have anything against it. No, I don't either. I'm just saying that everybody too. There's, there's a priority that somebody people are going to take. I'm the same way. I got so many things that I have interest in. You sent me a picture of that harmonica thing. Guess what? I'm playing. You're playing the harmonica. (laughs) I'm learning. Oh man, I'm learning. So it's like, you know, and it's honestly get you one. You could be the next Bob Dylan. You get you a guitar and one of those little (laughs) neck things. <laughs> so you could sing and do the harmonica and do the guitar. That'd be pretty nice. I saw, cause yeah, that was like a meme. Someone had a harmonica strapped on some part of their car. I saw a really good one today that was, um, it was a pair of giant zip ties wrapped around a drive shaft oh, well, to where when they spin, they click. On. I actually did that to a guy that I used to work with. Oh, he man. bought a brand new truck and, <laughs> and we were working out on, on, on a base out there bought this brand new truck he's proud of it everything you know and uh 
at break one day, we were like, hey, go out there and let's put the, I'll put the zip, it's a big aircraft zip ties, those really yeah, big ones. Yeah. Just put it around the driveline so it just clicked every single time <laughs> that driveline was spinning. Well, after work, we're all sitting around. We had to fill out time cards at the end of the day every day, you know, and um, we're kind of like hanging out. Usually we, yeah. we're like getting out of there yeah. or we're hanging out until he left. So just so we can get his <laughs> yeah. reaction, we watch it. We're working at one of those hangars. He drives across the, the going out to the road. Yep. And we're, we're all just like watching because everybody knew except for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got out of that truck once and he's walking around out there in circles. <laughs> gets back in, drives it some more, and he gets out to the road, and he stops, and he gets out, and he's looking, and later on, he he, he figured it out. Oh, man. But I was like, <laughs> no, good. We, we joked, because we were like, knowing him, he'll take to the dealership, probably, and be like, <laughs> my truck's making this clicking noise. Oh, man. Yeah, you've been had. My Uncle Jerry had a story. I think it was, I don't know if it was the power plant in Fort Wayne, right? Was job he was work, one of the jobs he was working on decades ago. Guy, I think it was a guy did it to him. Been telling him, oh, I got this caribou call, you know, I mean, it'll call caribou in, you know, but and uh, just had him go, you know, finally, like, oh, I'll bring it to work tomorrow, you can try it out, you know, and see what it's like, what does it sound like, and all this. And you know, it was this kind of weird contraption of pipes, and you know, <laughs> I pointed back, he went. You got to blow on it hard. He blew on it hard, and he had filled like the top. The pipe pointed back his forehead with um, line chalk. Poof! <laughs> oh man! Yeah, sometimes that can get out of hand. Oh. One place I worked, we the practical jokes got really out of hand after a while. Guys were doing just it was stuff that was like, yeah, we we yeah, kind of there's a line to be had. Yeah. yeah. It's always funny. At least, at least you can get a laugh when you're at work. Yeah, no, that was it. Was always fun working with like laid back, laid back people. It's not to say it still isn't, but just yeah. like working, working on job sites and stuff. I fell for the old trick with the. I think it's like a penny or a quarter in the bottle, bottom of the bottle. You're supposed to look through through the water that's yeah. in it. Oh, it's and, 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 the bottom. They, <laughs> yeah. I fell for that hook, line, and sinker, man. Oh, I got man. just doused in the face. But yeah, man, I was oh, it was funny. There was one. My uncle Tracy. I I I always liked work working on jobs with my uncle Tracy. And, you know, we're pretty pretty similar. And I was joking back and forth, and they uh, just giving each other shit. I mean, that's fun. Like guy, when you got a crew or people that yeah. you're working with that don't they get their feelings hurt easily, and they know you're just joking and don't. <laughs> One of our guys, one of our guys had got a DUI a while back and, you know, it would have been like a long time ago and part of like his deal, he had to go like spend a night in jail, you know, like at some random time. So he had like gone and he was at work the next day and he went, we were all just working away and he went, to, he went to the uh, the bathroom and I think it was Tracy. I can't remember what exactly he said. Something horribly, it was horribly inappropriate, but he's like, when he comes back, ask him, say, I heard when you go to jail, you got to, you know, like do a favor for the biggest guy in there or something like that. (laughs) So when he came back, I was like, Hey, Tracy told, I I don't know. You know, Tracy told me when he went to jail, he had to do (laughs) what the hell? 
job sites are fun. Some of the, well, the funniest ones are guys like that, like get in trouble for, they're not even like trying to do anything wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we had one guy, we were, it was in the, uh, I don't even know if you're supposed to talk about what all they got going on down at Fort Greeley, the missile field and stuff like that. I don't know. I never, we were working, I never worked down We there. were working in a sensitive area and with a bunch of like computer banks. Well, they you say computers. When I say computers, you visualize computers. These are like just big metal cabinets. Yeah, like servers or Server something. type yeah, like- things. And we were working in this room and you had to have like an escort with you watching you all the time. You know, like pretty serious stuff and one guy had taken like a cot you know a foam coffee cup finished his coffee working set it there forgot about it well that day happened to be like generals there touring (laughs) and one of them saw this foam coffee cup sitting like the pentagon got called about it (laughs) Like we got a huge talk next morning, and luckily the super the superintendent on the job was pretty cool, and he's like, "I realize like this is not, but you got like you got to pay attention to what you do." <laughs> oh, oh man, yeah, I could I could see that down there probably. I never, no, like I that, never... yeah, working like you can't take your cell phone with you. You yeah. have to like get padded down and your vehicle searched and everything when you go in to call it the dark side. And then when you come out, you know, you can have your stuff back. But, yeah, there was, like, one landline that you could use to call if you needed, you know, more material sent Contact the outside world. Contact <laughs> the outside world, yeah. But. Yeah, I never worked in too many places. That, well, a couple that was kind of high security a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, but it's definitely February. The temple was saying he had the Februarys. I don't know what he was doing the other day, like trying to siphon gas or something. I forget the pictures we were sending back and forth. Frank was giving him some shit. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, it was something like, yeah. Oh, no, I think he did it on... I, I need to look at Temple's vlog, so Temple's YouTube video, because I think that's what it's on. Oh, is yeah. I, I need I, to I, catch up, but like I think... I think like the no- it was the older su- and the nozzle like s- fell down inside the gas jug. I can only imagine. Sorry, not- sorry, Temple. We're gonna laugh. <coughs> We're we are laughing at you, not with you. <laughs> I haven't talked to him in a while. It's been a been a bit. But- no, we need to. We're actually Friday. Like I said, I think I need to sort out the time, but I think. I don't know if Temple's going to be here. He probably didn't apply for anything. I think Friday we're going to do the, like, shut the phones off and... Yeah, that's what you were saying. Try to do a... We're going to meet up here? Draw a reveal, yeah, I At think so. At some point? Yeah. Friday? Yep. Get okay. liquored up once we I, I, once we realize that we've been duped once again by the state. <laughs> I don't know about you. I plan on drawing some tags. That's... I don't plan on drawing anything. Did you even apply for anything this I, year? I did. Yeah. Not a ton, but some. Not as much as I normally do. State needs that money. (laughs) My biggest thing is I don't, some of the stuff that I really would, you know, I, to be honest, don't know that I could afford to go on. Yeah, no. At this point, you know, I'm kind of like, so I kind of held off a little bit. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm there with you. Some stuff like I don't even apply for for Nunavak muskox. Yeah, like, I, why if I if I really want to go muskox, which is sad. If I really want to go muskox, I'll just spend the same amount of money and go to Canada. Yep. Unfortunately, I think that would be. Yeah, that, that's the that's kind of unfortunate that that's one of those things. Here we live here, and it's just as expensive. You know, it's. I don't know. Yeah. And which, they, draw, which they're not I mean, related. And, and that's, that does go back to like, you can't relate things that aren't, that are, aren't relatable. Yeah, you know, you may feel, you may, you may feel like they're related, but they really are independent of each other. Yeah. You know, anyway, I don't know. We probably better, probably better sign off, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, Sorry if this this is a little like off topic, off normal topic, but it's important info, you know. And I think. Yep. I just wanted just to have people aware and paying attention, if nothing else, yep. to what's going on. Yeah. When I told Tyler, I just that was the thing. I thought we should maybe put something out so people could at least know a little bit of what's going to happen, possibly, and they can call yeah. in if they want or just listen to be paying attention. Just to, yeah, you know, pay don't, attention, listen in, yeah. whatever. Just to get get some information at least, yeah. you know, yeah. And if stuff stuff rolls out, and you know, just pay attention so you can you know formulate a reasonable opinion on it and give your feedback. You know, that's all all yep. anybody can can really do or expect. And to remember that we're all we're all ultimately on the same team. Yeah, I think that's very you important. Know, that it's easy to get pissed at this guy or that guy or this group at that or that group, but you know, you know, as far as not everybody listening, but Alaskans are, you know, we're all, we're all on the same team and, you know, hunt, you know, people that in general, we're all on the same team, you know, yep. even if you don't live here, um, it's not like, I don't know. I had something going there and I lost it. So I'll just shut up. But yeah, we're all on the same team. <laughs> yep. So just, you know, like be passionate about, about, about your opinions and stuff like that. But, uh, just be objective, I guess. So hopefully it'll all work out. Yep. We'll see. But I'll keep, uh, I'll post info and, and whatever. Yeah. You know, I'll we, like the meeting. I, I know I posted the meeting, I don't know, not on my Instagram. I'll try to do it. I'll put the number in the show notes. And if you happen, you know, it's late notice. So if you happen to listen to this and, and what, and in time and you have time to listen to the meet, call in and listen to the meeting. That's cool. If not, just something to be aware of, you know, coming down the pipe and I'll try to stay on top of what's, what's going on. If yeah. there, if there ends I, up being a, you know, special action request or, you know, stuff that people are going to need to call into the subsistence board to yep. gripe about. But, yep. For sure. All right. Well, yeah, well, hopefully maybe we'll see you Friday and. Yeah. I'll and, be here. Yeah. We'll do another one and get all pissed off about what we didn't get and. Still going to have a hell of a productive year hunting, hopefully. You're, you're talking about... Ah, never mind. No, what? I'll, I'll go there later, maybe okay. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds good. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, you can email podcast at tundertalkak.com. Thanks.